Good evening and welcome to episode one of Sleep with MJ. I'll be your host, MJ McGrath. Together with some other writers, I hope to build up a collection of stories and travel guides that will help you to unwind after a long day and ease you into a deep sleep. The first of our stories is one of my own from a number of years ago. I chose it as it is a setting on a train journey at night through the dark Irish countryside. And what better place to drift off to sleep as you feel the carriage gently rock from side to side. The soft sounds of the wheels rolling off the rails and the sleepers beneath. And it's here we will begin our story. The Envelope by M.J. McGrath The carriage rocked a little while pulling out of Corbett Station and the black of early winter hastened behind the amber glow of the city's street lamps. Now slipping into night, the evening spell of soft rain had eased and spooled itself into fine cotton clouds of white mist, teasing the edge of the open platform and melting against the flanks of the moving train. Sliding a grey headphone into the hollow of his left ear, Sammy Edwards allowed the side of his face to press against the glass of the 1820 Limerick to Euston station, while watching each vacant platform drift by in lonesome servitude. It was always better with one ear unoccupied, especially on lazy Sunday evenings, so as to avoid missing any important announcements from the friendly digital voice of the female train. Indeed, she had just announced that the next stop would be Limerick Junction, and heaven forbid he would miss his change and wake up in an empty train, just as Ireland's lonely railways yawned and closed their weary lines for the night. Having fallen too sleepy for a scroll through his phone, Sammy listened to the weight of the train hum along the smooth steel of the tracks and felt its faint tremors caress his forehead against the surface of the glass. Before his eyes, beads of moisture snaked in reflective trails from one edge of the window to the next, distorting twinkling lights from the residential buildings, which were becoming ever sparser as his train left the city and began to rush into the full dark heart of the countryside. And what a country, thought Sammy, as he reflected upon his annual trip to the capital. Being the line manager during the expansion of the recycling plant, it had become part of his remit to attend a conference at the company's headquarters at the end of each year. Here, like every December, he would give a PowerPoint presentation on the plant's performance and highlight various aspects of production which could be tweaked to improve output or lower overall operational costs. Finally, he would attend a team-building exercise with other managerial staff where the virtues of trust and loyalty would be championed as the cornerstones of their future personal development. How he loathed it. Bringing his face away from the glass, Sammy softly pressed the rear of his head into the firm cushion of the seat. But a job was a job. Hadn't it guided him through a recession and reared a small family? Many would be glad of it, of course. And providing for his wife and daughters had provided him with a dignity not easily afforded to many less fortunate friends. The female voice announced that his train had arrived on time at Limerick Junction, 
He would not need to switch trains after all, as his current one would be travelling all the way to Dublin. Had Kate not told him he would stay on the same train when she booked the tickets? He either wasn't listening or couldn't remember. And exhaling lightly through a corner in his lips, he wondered which reality would irritate her less. Accompanying these reflections, the quiet and rural platform of Limerick Junction glowed faintly before the pitch black which had gathered behind it. The humble station seemed a flickering candle in a rolling ocean of night, and several grey figures stood huddled beneath the dim lighting, impatiently stepping from one foot to another as the carriages slowly ground to a halt. Watching their icy forms step hurriedly aside, Sammy felt a queer blend of joy and guilt as they opened the doors to other carriages. He had enjoyed the silent company of his fellow solitary travellers and wished for that tranquil atmosphere to continue beyond his journey's first stop. And so, settling back into the warm embrace of his headrest, Sammy listened to the wheels turn once more as the train snaked slowly away from the old station and back to the envelope of the night. The remainder of his journey might take the bones of an hour and a half, he mused, before grumbling at the sound of the carriage door rattling open behind him. Someone had arrived to disturb his peace after all. Heavy footsteps accompanied the squeaking wheels of a well-travelled suitcase along the carpet before pausing behind his ear. The momentary silence was uncomfortable and broken by the startling announcement of his name. Sam Edwards, by God, it's yourself, is it? Boomed a voice of some depth and authority. Opening his eyes with a jolt, Sammy quickly turned his head towards the sound. Here, towering above him, Frank Malloy smiled warmly through the bristles of his thick black beard. Long time no see, Sammo. Mind if I join you? This was indeed a surprise. Sammy had rarely seen his classmate since they left school almost 20 years ago. Managing a weak, reciprocal smile, Sammy watched as Malloy shoved his case loudly into the overhead storage rail and unfastened the buttons of his heavy winter coat. While folding the coat neatly beside his case, a sharp aroma of aftershave began to waft notably from under the sleeve of the man's sweater and rained in pungent plumes about the seating area and its small number of occupants below. Once this task was completed to his satisfaction, Malloy tucked in his shirt tails, fixed the seams of his sweater, and brought his considerable bulk to rest behind a table, separating himself and his old acquaintance. Finally he spoke, and when he did, Sammy noticed. He did so with a mild lilt of a Dublin accent. Jesus Christ, Sammo, what has it been now? Ten years, if a day? Oh, at least that, Frank. And you're looking fresh too. Fair play to you. That grey limerick air mustn't be as poisonous as they make out. What? That's true enough, to be sure, Sammy replied quietly. Maybe when you're born there, you build something of an immunity to it. Not so sure about that now, Samboy. Wasn't I born within an ass's roar of yourself? And I couldn't wait to sit my arse on this train many a year ago. One way. You're living in Dublin all the time since. Indeed I am. Malahide for the most part. 
was a tough old station for a few years, but I kept a head down and persevered. Good stuff, kid. Well, hard work was never easy, as the man says, but after a spell of misfortune, I scored myself a cushy number as a field rep for a small hotel chain. And if you put in the hours, they look after you well, you know? He knew. Sammy gazed at the sparkle from the reflective face of his old friend's watch. It's just after seven, Frank smiled contentedly. But tell us anyway, what are you doing with yourself these days? I'm still at the recycling plant out on the Bally Simon Road. I'm a line manager now. Upon hearing this news, Malloy set forward in his seat and crossed his large forearms on the tabletop. Keeping his dark eyes fixed upon Sammy, he knitted the lines of his brow and spoke in a peculiarly hushed tone that seemed befitting of a matter of some importance. Well, I'll tell you something, but you're more patient man than myself. By God, I'd be climbing the walls and frothing at the lisp if I was there for a spell of ten years now. Coming up on twelve now, Frank. Really? the big man exclaimed. You know what that is? Loyalty and perseverance to your station. It's not a thing found wanting in Limerick men, and I do respect that, so I do. Sammy looked quizzically at the assured countenance of his old friend, before allowing his gaze to drift to the darkness outside and the reflection of his own tired eyes upon the glass. I suppose you could call it loyalty. But it's to Kate and the two girls, really. This unexpected development brought about a sudden change in Malloy. Two girls, you say? He replied loudly before reaching across the table to clap a heavy hand on the smaller man's shoulder. Well, fair play to you, Sammy, old boy. I didn't think you had the stones. And what are their names? Ashlyn and Siobhan. Ha! Malloy brayed, bringing his palm down forcefully upon the tabletop. That's your country now. Two fine Irish names. What? They are, I suppose. Kate picked them out before I gave the green light. Well, this Kate sounds like a fine woman, if you don't mind my saying. And the two girls are healthy, they are. Oh, devil of fear of them. Opening the cavern of his mouth for another bold statement, Malloy paused mid-breath as the door in the rear of the carriage slid open and a dark-skinned young woman entered behind a refreshments trolley. Keeping his mouth fixed ajar, Malloy raised his large arm and began to twirl his index finger in quick circles. You'll have a drink, he asked of Sammy. Maybe a coffee if you're getting one for yourself. The lady arrived at their table and at Malloy's request promptly placed two disposable cups upon white napkins in front of the men. Handing her a five euro note for which he requested no change, Malloy grinned suggestively at the young woman. May the rails rise to meet you, my fair Colleen. Smiling politely, the woman pushed her rattling trolley to the next table while Malloy's eyes trailed her momentarily before returning to his companion with a wink. A gamey bird if ever I spotted one, he declared beneath his breath. Now, young Edwards, we'll toast to the prosperity of those two new additions to the Edwards clan. And of course, let it always be said, to the health and well-being of your darling Mott. Holding his coffee cup in mild salute, Sammy nodded his appreciation. You're a gentleman, Frank. Stall the ball now, Sammy boy, Malloy returned with an outstretched palm. 
We're not quite ready for a toast of this magnitude just yet, so we're not. Placing his palms on the table, he lifted his weight slowly out of the seat and into the centre of the aisle, where he began to rummage through the front compartment of his suitcase. Be with you in a tick now, Samboy, he called from above his companion's head, before finally zipping fast his case and awkwardly bringing his large body behind the table once more. Grinning mischievously, Malloy dropped the base of a half-bottle of Powers whiskey loudly on the tabletop. No harm in making it a bit Irish, what? Ah, no, Frank. I've an early start in the morning. Era, would you ever give over with that silly talk, man? I haven't seen sight nor hair of you for near ten years, and then you come to me with news of a steady and noble mot and a pair of healthy sprogs toddling behind her. I really shouldn't, Frank. I have to find that hotel in Dublin, and all yet. Sure, we'll be there in half an hour. We'll have an old drop. Pressing the rear of his head against a soft seat, Sammy gazed at the raindrops and felt an oddness in the corner of his mouth as he began to smile reluctantly. Go on, so. I'll have the one. Jesus, Frank, you never lost a kid. That's your country, barked Malloy jovially, unscrewing the lid of the glass bottle and generously splashing the whiskey into Sammy's coffee cup. Give that a good stir now and let it warm the cockles of your heart before we arrive in the old pail. After filling his own cup to the rim, Malloy quickly stirred the liquid with a plastic spoon and raised his toast once more. To the wife and kids, Samuel. Thanks, Frank. And to all friends. And to old Limerick, Malloy added with a cackle. May she ever remain the innocent lady of the Midwest. Drinking deep, both men brought their cups back to the table, and Sammy noticed the sparkle in his friend's eyes as he reveled at the contortion of his face. Too Irish for you. Is that the crack? Malloy jeered. You need to get out of stabbers and taste a little of what the good world has on the menu. Be God, once you've drunk black rum on a Jamaican beach, you can get back to me so you can. None of this piss water they sell to dry saps around here, mind. I'm talking real Jamaican black now. You've been to the Caribbean? Sammy inquired, feeling the spark of whiskey flickering into a flame and warming the cave of his belly. The Caribbean? I've toured all over the Americas and gave a spell down under, too, for my sins. Was that with the rugby crowd? The rugby crowd? Not at all, young Samuel. You went of your own volition, so. Malloy tilted his chin inward and rested it upon his large neck while considering his companion suspiciously. Yes, I went of me own volition, as you highfalutin Shannonsiders might put it. I'd love to see Sydney Harbour myself some day. Sammy mused, looking out the window to the black void. Well, I'll tell you something for nothing now. Malloy spoke in a hushed tone once more, leaning over the table as if to relay a guarded secret. They look after you well in this hotel rep gig, if you know how to play the game. Sure, I guess penthouse rooms around the globe for business trips, a few times a year, and not one shilling does it cost me neither. Sammy felt his jaw slacken as he looked at his friend in some disbelief. Really? Chalk it down, old son, Malloy grinned, settling back in his seat with an air of satisfaction while watching his companion's eyes stare through the window to the dark. Pausing for a moment, Sammy then listened as his friend's words came at him slowly and deliberately. 
There's a lot of deep pockets in that world out there, Sammy boy. You just have to know which ones to reach your hand into. Over the hum of steel, along the tracks, a long silence then broke out between the pair, crackling like the end of a powerful record, leaving its listeners to consider the significance of what they had heard. Discounts around the globe are what Malloy had fallen in for, and Sammy found himself swallowing his sigh deep within his chest, so as not to embolden the smirk on his old friend's lips. For all Malloy's bluster, he had nonetheless taken the world for what it had, and had forged the life he wore with his own hands. He had earned the freedom which he used to traverse the earth, and the attitude that brought him to the top of the tree was the same attitude which had allowed him to enjoy its fruits. He would settle for nothing less. The void had turned to orange as the lights of the capital began streaming past the window, and Sammy felt the train slow and shudder beneath his feet. A voice announced their imminent arrival at Dublin Euston, and the shuffle of passengers began in earnest as the carriage sparkled into life from its intercity coma. Well, enjoy your short stay with us up here, and don't be a stranger, Malloy wheezed as he stretched his arms above his head. I'm sure the lovely Kate allows you the odd point when you're away on business. I'll be fairly flat out over the next two days, but we'll see, Sammy replied, forcing his lips to paint a breezy smile. Well, you'll find me online and I'll be sure to fix you up with a cheap room for your annual trip next year, Malloy grunted, while taking down his case and briskly throwing his coat about his shoulders. Now, I've got a friend parked in a taxi rank, so I'd better dash. Holding out his large, smooth palm, he waited for Sammy's hand to wrap round it before giving it a firm squeeze. You're a gentleman as always, Mr. Edwards, he growled. The country couldn't stay afloat without the likes of you. Turning sharply on his heel, the large man then hurried his bulk between the seats along the aisle, leaving a bustling wake of heavy breaths and mixed aftershave spices. Stepping off the train moments later, Sammy gazed along the lengthy, dark platform. Figures walked in solitude upon the sheen of icy flags, silent but for the sniffles in their nostrils and the echoes of their shoes. The Dublin beyond them heaved with quiet possibilities, a looming mass of concrete and unrealised experiences. Seductive, it waited patiently in the gloom as a playground for Malloy and his friends. For Sammy, such liberation would never occur again, and he wondered wickedly if it ever had. He was too young when he had gotten married. He was too young, and now his phone was dead. His phone was dead? Realising that his phone was out of battery, and that he had forgotten what hotel he was staying in, Sammy began to panic on his next decision. Where was that hotel? Could be anywhere. Could ask someone. No, they couldn't know. Why hadn't he charged his phone? There was a socket on the train. It was no use. As he looked back towards home, Sammy released a slow sigh and watched the trail of its mist dissipate to nothing in the cool Dublin air. Walking towards the darkness at the end of the platform, he felt alone at the edge of the world. A faint sprinkle of snow had begun to fall upon the railway and as he gazed at the flakes lodging softly along the tracks, he wondered on their vast distance. The cold steel stretched from his eyes through the dark interior of his country, 
and back through the heart of Limerick. Reaching into a pocket of his jacket for warmth, Sammy felt his fingers touch a folded sheet of paper and removing it with stiffening fingers, he held it beneath the lamplight for inspection. The paper had a hotel name written in Kate's familiar curled writing. His heart swooned. Carlton Hotel, Blanchardstown. It was those three little words.